0: Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Muma. Thanks for checking out localjobnetwork.com radio and our podcast, Moving Up the Ladder. Here, we bring you experienced professionals with insight into enhancing the success of your career. Public speaking is a part of nearly everyone's job, whether it's in front of a small group of coworkers, the board of a company, or even an audience at a conference. Unfortunately, many individuals do struggle with this skill, and yes, it is a skill. Ph.D. Gary Gennard, he's an actor, communications professor, and speech coach well, he also authored the book, Fearless Speaking, Beat Your Anxiety, Build Your Confidence, Change Your Life. And he joins us now on LJN Radio. Gary, how are you doing today?
1: Tim, I'm great. It's terrific to be here with you, and I love the energy in that introduction you just gave.
0: All right. Well, let's keep that well going done. throughout the show. <laughs> <laughs> now, this idea of public speaking, of course, uh, you know, it, it comes up from time to time in our conversations. And uh, I'd often heard the joke that at a funeral, most people would rather be... The one having the funeral as opposed to giving the eulogy. Why? Why are people so fearful of public speaking in general? What are the challenges that people face when looking to speak publicly?
1: That's Jerry Seinfeld's joke, by the way. You are correct. Yes. Yeah. Most most people would rather be in the (laughs) casket than giving the eulogy. (laughs) And it's interesting that in the book of lists, when it came out in 1977, fear of public speaking was the number one fear that people expressed, and death was number five or
0: something.
1: (laughs) So I don't think that people really fear it more than death, but it's a thing that they think about. And Mm. and the reason is because people are really making it difficult for themselves and they are focusing on their own responses and how they feel and their own nervousness rather than just talking to the people in the audience because that's what they're there for. They want to hear something interesting from that person And, and when it can become a conversation like that, it's really enjoyable for all concerned. So when I work with people to get them to overcome their fear of speaking, one of the first things that I do is to remind them that it isn't about them. It's about the audience and as gentle a way as I can. So it's not threatening to them. But oftentimes a light bulb goes off in in people's heads. And uh, sometimes I can even see it if I look closely right above their head there. (laughs) And it's, oh, yeah, well, you're right. It isn't about me. It's You know, I I needed to hear that. And even though a lot of people understand that intellectually, kind of getting it in their gut and and really accepting that is a great place to be. And when you can make that change, then your, your mind is getting in the right place rather than being in a place which really isn't going to be too helpful for you in terms of reaching people rather than focusing on yourself.
0: Right. When, I, when it comes to sort of the negative side of it, and obviously we're going to get into the positives and why it's important, and, and ways that people can help themselves in a lot of these situations, is the negative thinking? Is that just? Is it a feeling of embarrassment? Is it un, being unsure of yourself? Or where does that often come from? That those sort of those root causes. That's a
1: great question. As far as where it comes from, to take the first part of your question, how does it manifest itself? It's different in different people, and that's why coaching people in this to overcome fear is a, a great technique because it, it's often not a one size fits all approach. Right. And for some people, it's very physical. Some people have anticipatory anxiety. Others don't really worry about it ahead of time. But as soon as they get up there, it, it hits them, wham, in the face. Other people have it only for the first minute or two, and then they're comfortable. So it, it differs according to the the people as to how it manifests itself. Where it comes from, I joke with my clients and say that if you look in my office here, you'll see there's no couch. And that's because I don't take them back to their childhood to f- figure <laughs> out what happened when they were playing, you know, a turkey in the Thanksgiving Day play right. when they were in second grade. That may have been the 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 cause of all this all these years later, but sometimes we don't know. Sometimes it's pretty obvious if something happened to us mm-hmm. that highly embarrassing or humiliating. And we might remember that and and be gun-shy in in terms of speaking in public from then on. But sometimes it can be hidden. So to go back and try to understand what the root cause of it is, I think would be very time-consuming and we may not even be successful doing it. What I'm concerned with and what I think the people that I work with are concerned with is what's happening now in my professional life and how is it holding me back? And how can I deal with these issues in terms of what practical skills can I get? What approaches can I use that I can really use this afternoon or tomorrow morning so that it's not just theoretical? Mm-hmm. I can actually apply these things at the moment when I'm speaking and uh, and understand how this puts me in a better place. And, and this is a, I use the analogy of a toolbox. And and what I'm trying to do with people is give them uh, tools that they can just reach in and use and make it as practical and as hands-on as possible.
0: I want to first ask you, what is the value in being able to give a quality speech or pitch or, you know, as you put, more of a conversation really when you are publicly speaking? But how important is that, especially when you're talking about within one's career?
1: A good speech can change the world. We've seen throughout history and even in our own lifetimes, speeches that our leaders have given. It doesn't only have to be political leaders. We've seen people like Steve Jobs and in the appearances they've made. These appearances really can change people's lives. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's not so much to say that if you do have anxiety over speaking, make every effort to overcome it because you, we never know, just how much it's going to change the lives of one individual or a couple of people in that audience. There's no way for us to know because we can't follow them for the rest of their lives. But what we say can be really consequential to people. And we don't even need to go to that extent and say, well, we're looking to change the world every time we get up to speak. But if we're speaking to people, and mostly this is the case, who have a need for the information we're there to impart, whether it's on our product, our service, mm-hmm. the, the mission of our nonprofit organization, what uh, this government agency is trying to do. These are things that matter to people's lives in a day-to-day way. And when we give a successful presentation, then the chances are very good we're going to be giving something to people that they need because the reason that people sit out in, in audiences is First of all, it's not to attack us, and and it's not to be critical of us. People really do want their time to be well spent, and and they mostly genuinely have a need for the information we're there to give. So it's extremely important that we overcome our reluctance to talk to those people because the chances are pretty good that we're going to give them something that's going to change their lives for the better in a small way or maybe even a, a, a larger way, perhaps even a major
0: way. You mentioned there uh, giving a successful presentation, and of course, every speech, every presentation might have a different purpose, but in general, is there a way you define for people what a successful speech would look like or sound like? It's simple,
1: especially if people have fear of speaking because they tend to judge the success of the talk in terms of their own feeling. How did you do? Well, not so good. I, I was really nervous. Well, did did you sell any any of our product? Oh yeah, I I sold about a million dollars. <laughs> you know, it's people people really do get on the wrong track sometimes right. and, and think of the success in terms of how they're doing rather than how the audience got what they need. And one of the things that I say in in the, this book is that. If you're still focused on overcoming, as you get toward the end of the book, if you're still focused on overcoming your fear of speaking, then you're still on the wrong track because the goal in the end is not to overcome fear, it's to be successful as a speaker. The first step oftentimes is overcoming that fear so Mm -hmm. you can speak, but I like to try to get people on the right wavelength, which is, once again, it's not about me, it's about how successful I was in meeting the needs of this audience.
0: Well, let's get into some, you know, a little bit of the tips and details. Obviously, we're not going to give away all of uh, all of the high-quality information that you have in the book, but if we're just looking at it on the grand scale, what do you point to as being really the most important factor when it comes to whether it's overcoming that initial fear or just really being able to to step in and give a great speech? What are you seeing as the most important part of that?
1: Well, I think there are three things, okay. Tim. The, the first is changing your negative thinking so you, you can get your head in the right place. And oftentimes that involves changing negative self-talk into positive coping statements because we tend to beat up on ourselves and, and we know just the things to say to make us make ourselves feel miserable. And we have no hesitation in saying those. So right. getting our head in the right place, I think, is the first step. The, the second uh, thing I like to work with people on is the body. Body language and bringing the physical aspects of presenting into the equation because, and that's for two reasons. One is because of the physical symptoms that we have, which can be so disruptive to how we feel when we're speaking. And the second is because of the simple fact that we're a body performing in space and speakers who can use body language and be effective and dynamic visually as well as what they're saying, can really be interesting to be in the presence of and can go a long way toward making their performance that much more effective and influential with the people they're speaking to. And the third area I like to help people improve in is their focus and their presence and their mindfulness because speakers who are present Make something happen in the room. It's, it's not a case of, well, I'm going to go in here and I'm going to deliver my presentation and get out of my way, everybody. You know, I've <laughs> got to get this PowerPoint in and, and uh, just don't inhibit me from doing that. No, it's, it's really very much a case of I'm here speaking to you. You're here listening to me. I'm, you're actually speaking to me too, audience members, mm-hmm. because you're giving me body language and I'm reading it. So is something happening in the room? Is this the form of community that performance of all type certainly is, including public speaking, so that when you as audience members and me as speaker, when we leave this room, we're better off than when we came in the room. So this was a win-win situation for all concerned. So that level of focus and being present is important and it's often fractured if we are half thinking of our message and getting it across to people and half concerned with how we're doing so that our mind is split and, and we're really not fully present for our listeners. And then, of course, we, we have little of that magic word that we all want as speakers, and that is presence, mm-hmm. which, which uh, interestingly enough, comes right from that very word being present.
0: <laughs> when it comes to maybe preparing for that, that speech, and, and you mentioned the idea of being mindful and, and really getting in that mindset of what you're going to do. Do you find that in general people struggle with that or they don't take enough time beforehand to really sort of be aware of what's going to be happening and and sort of that, um, you know, I think you I saw a phrase connecting with oneself um, beforehand. Do you see that as being a challenge for people? Do you see that as being a key to stepping into that speech successfully? What's your take on that?
1: Absolutely. And the reason is, one particular reason is that people tend to spend too much time on content and not enough time practicing and sure. being, good, being good speaking to others. And it's an interesting dynamic because we're really, as I say, we have, most of us have content coming out of our ears. You know, we're, we're pretty, pretty good at our industry, our company, or the work that we do. Mm-hmm. We understand it. We usually have a fair amount of experience, sometimes a lot of experience, many years at it. So we don't really need to spend as much time on content as, as we think we do. And we oftentimes spend all of our time putting together content to have the best PowerPoint deck we can have, to have the, <laughs> the best handouts so we'll really impress people. But that's not what really impresses people. And, and anyway, that's, that's not the equation that needs to be going on when we're giving a talk because it is a public performance. Mm-hmm. So we should spend less time, I think, and say to people, Think about spending less time on your content and more time being comfortable in front of others and uh, and talking to groups of people and and feeling like and sounding like yourself.
0: I do find that fascinating. Uh, you mentioning that, and I think that's that's spot on. That so many times, if you're working with somebody or a group, and the, the focus is so much on that content as opposed to what you're really going to be doing in that presentation. So I do appreciate that that specific aspect of that you're talking about. Along those same lines, you mentioned sort of the physical feelings you might have and how that can be disruptive. When it comes to then the, the body language and, and how you're presenting, is that a way to just sort of utilize that nervous energy? Is it something that's, that's really a way to sell what you're saying? I mean, How do you specifically view body language and its importance?
1: It's both. It's certainly true that because of the nervous energy and the fact that we mostly stay still, too many people stay still when they're presenting, that nervous energy just builds up and builds up and and pretty soon you feel like your head's a pressure cooker and it's just the the top's going to pop off. And so to move is to dissipate some of that energy Mm -hmm. and to use some energy. And of course, as I said a, a moment earlier, it makes it visually interesting for an audience. And the other aspect of body language, of course, is that the body is an essential tool of communication and we need it to amplify or support what we're saying. You and I are talking now through a telephone link, but I'm gesturing, and, and perhaps you are too. Right? I am. <laughs> yes, and because you are hearing my gestures, as it were, and when I give webinars, I oftentimes do it, well, I always do it, standing up with a headset on, which I have now because it frees both of my hands, and I can move, I can bring my whole body into the, the expression that I'm, I'm using, and that's a way to include, I even call it that, physical expression of mm-hmm. what you're saying. And if it's an in-person situation and the audience is watching you, then what they're seeing you do, and we see this all the time with speakers who are dynamic speakers and occupy oftentimes a large stage, and they, they, don't, they certainly don't stand in one place. Even standing behind a lectern or a podium, I, I encourage people to gesture to use their body because you know hanging on to that thing with the white knuckle effect and is really not too interesting to look at and also it it's kind of inhibiting for the speaker himself or herself so if we if we move fluently and with some ease then we're going to be allowing what we're saying to come through more easily and and also i think we're going to undo some of those blockages that are making it difficult and make, making us hesitant in the way we're talking
0: sure on the other side of it, why is it important that as a speaker you're also reading the body language of the audience?
1: That's because that's how the audience is speaking to you. Except for the the Q&A or if people ask a particular question, then it's literally they're they're literally speaking mm-hmm. and it's verbal they're verbalizing, they're vocalizing what they're saying. But for those moments which really are always A lot shorter than the rest of the presentation that you're giving for the rest of that time the only way that the audience is communicating with you is through the body language and we always want a conversation a presentation or speech to be a dialogue right we often think of it as a monologue with the speaker speaking and the communication going in one way but there really is a conversation going on there it it may be vocalized on in terms of the speaker But it certainly is communication coming back to you, and that's body language. And it's very important that we pay attention to that because we need to see if people have become disengaged or they look confused or they're no longer with us. Mm -hmm. And that's a clue to us that whatever we've been doing up to that moment, we probably have to change. If we've been speaking theoretically, maybe this is the time to bring in that story or that case study. Or if we have been doing something that is really not involving for the audience, maybe it's time to initiate a discussion or to hand out that survey that you you would like them to fill out or to, to do the pairs exercise or the group exercise. We may not have planned to do it at that time, but if we see body language, which really is telling us disengagements going on here, now's the time to bring it in. And, and of course, the result of that is presentation or talk that is part of that active give and take Mm -hmm. that we were talking about a moment ago so that something is happening in this room and it's probably going to be a lot more enjoyable for the audience and and equally important, they're most likely going to retain what we've been saying a lot better than if we just gave them something that made them be passive throughout the entire procedure and so that they really can't wait to get out of there. (laughs)
0: Right. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Which is not a response we usually want from an audience.
0: Yeah, that doesn't help with uh, how you're feeling up there. If you if you notice that, but I, I love your tip. Well, that of, too. Yeah, no, I love your tip also of uh, you know having that sort of in the back of your mind that if you are losing them, you can go to an activity or something more engaging, um, maybe sooner than you wanted to. But I think that I think that makes perfect sense for those that have been in that situation. We are getting up against the clock here, so I did want to give you the floor at the end to give our listeners a, a nice takeaway from our conversation, and it can be something we haven't touched on. It can be something you want to reiterate, but um, anything that you feel is important to leave our listeners with uh, discussing the idea of public speaking and overcoming that fear.
1: Well, thank you, Tim, it's, and it's been a real pleasure to talk with you. The book is Fearless Speaking, and it's we really think that this is what we call a self-directed course for eliminating speech anxiety while strengthening your confidence and skills. It's one thing to overcome fear. It's, it's another thing to do that and, and to be a little more skilled in how good a presenter you are, how engaging a presenter you are. And the book is about that as well. And of course, your listeners can find it on Amazon. It's Fearless Speaking. And, and incidentally, if they go to our website, which is Fearless Speaking Book. Dot com. There's a video there. There's some more information about the book. And they can also download a free chapter so they can get a taste of uh, whether they think they'd like the book. And so they can they can find that there as well.
0: That is perfect. We will wrap things up here on this episode of Moving Up the Ladder. Again, we've been speaking with Gary Gennard. He is the author of Fearless Speaking. You can find it at FearlessSpeakingBook.com. And as he just mentioned, you can even get a little taste of the book to find out what it's all about. Gary, thanks once again for coming on. I think you gave us some great insights and uh, hopefully people take heart to what you said today and then also possibly pick up some more tips from your book. So thanks again for joining us.
1: Pleasure, Tim. Happy speaking.
0: (laughs) Thank you. And to all those out there listening, remember you can always get in touch with us by sending an email to ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com or you can go ahead and head over to Twitter. You can find us at the LJN and we'd love for you to chime in on Twitter as well. Wishing you success in all your endeavors. I'm Tim Muma.